Trigger warning, this episode has some descriptions of mental and physical health symptoms that might be considered graphic. Today's episode is about one of the many health conditions specific to women, especially Black or African women. It's about polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, a medical condition that affects the way women's ovaries work. Hi, my name is Courtney Daniela Boating. I am one of the co-founders of Two My Sisters, which is a digital sisterhood community, and I am in London. Courtney is a British Ghanaian YouTuber, as well as a women's wellness, growth, and development advocate. In 2015, she was diagnosed with PCOS. Healthcare professionals aren't exactly sure what causes PCOS, but it is linked to a woman's ovaries producing an abnormal level of male sex hormones, and it often comes with symptoms that impacts the lives of the women who have it. And I was just in a pool of blood. Like my, my bed was soaked with like dark red blood. And I got up because I was like in pain in my abdomen area um, and stood from my bed and couldn't fully stand straight. My back was in like so much pain that I was basically keeled over. And as I started to take steps towards the bathroom, I could just feel blood dripping down my leg. Like it was the heaviest blood flow I had ever had in my life. Yeah, that's Courtney describing the first moment she realized that there was something going on with her body. But stick with me for a bit. Let's get out the technicalities of PCOS first. So, according to the NHS, it has three main features. One, irregular periods, which basically mean as a woman, your ovaries don't regularly release eggs. Two, excess androgen. This means high levels of male hormones in the body, which often lead to physical signs like excess facial and body hair. Three, polycystic ovaries. The ovaries become enlarged and have sacs surrounding your eggs. If you have one or more of these symptoms, it's possible to be diagnosed with PCOS. In Courtney's case, as you heard earlier, the most noticeable symptom for her was excessive and irregular bleeding. Um, I didn't have, I guess, typical um, symptoms associated with PCOS, like, you know, acne and things like that. Apart from being overweight and having been overweight for my whole life, I was very much just a, a quote unquote normal yeah. period haver. <laughs> That makes yeah. sense. PCOS has a couple of other symptoms like oily skin, hair loss from the head, difficulty getting pregnant, and weight gain. There's no cure for PCOS, but medical professionals see that the symptoms can be managed. Much like other health conditions specific to women, especially black or African women, PCOS is a bit tricky to diagnose. There also aren't a lot of conversations about it and how it impacts women. So, in this episode, True Courtney's Story, We'll talk about PCOS. What is the consequence of dealing with polycystic ovarian syndrome and how does it affect the lives of the women who have it? Hi, my name is Aisha Salahuddin and I like girls. This is a narrative storytelling podcast about African women and the different experiences life throws at us for being women. Before we get into Courtney's PCOS diagnosis, let's take some steps back. Back to when she was a teenager to see what her general and reproductive health was like. 
So I got my first Mm. period when I was 11. I was in year seven of secondary school here in the UK. And it was one faithful day. It was a physical education class and I needed to go and get ready. So I went into the changing rooms to change and then I used the bathroom and I just, you know, took my panties off and saw, oh, blood, ah, period. It's here. Womanhood has begun. Courtney grew up learning a lot about the female body from her mom and her aunties. So in 2009, when that first drop of blood showed up during PE class, she knew what it was and what it meant. No surprises there. I am sure all of the teachers were very aware of like periods. It was normal. So um, kind of told them they gave me a sanitary pad and then I ended up going home. And, you know, it, I remember it was, I think, January 8th, 2009. Um, and my mum was watching Obama's inauguration. That's why I remember it. Right, um, It right. was Obama's inauguration, <laughs> his first term. And my mum was watching it and I bursted into the living room like on the day there's the first black president. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got my period. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> we thank God. Um, so, you know, clean yourself well. She kind of went into this very... Um, clinical TED talk of like Mm -hmm. clean yourself well don't have sex you might be in pain uh but we thank god that you've got your period and then that was it (laughs) it was like okay cool so it was very I'd say my period wasn't um I didn't have anything problematic there was no problematic symptoms um that I noticed if it's not already clear Courtney is pretty close to her mom it's why there was no awkwardness in that conversation about her period Also, her mom is a nurse, her dad too. So as someone with healthcare professionals as parents, conversations about reproductive health weren't really out of place. Okay, so we know that one of the PCOS symptoms is irregular periods, but for the most part, Courtney's periods were fine. Things started to take a different turn though in late 2014, her final year of high school. The year before going Mm. to university and it was a very stressful year um, applying to go to Cambridge, study a course which, you know, everyone was telling me was going to be really intense, having to finish up my A-levels and get, you know, amazing grades. And it just felt like, okay, things are really stressful. On top of that, um, my parents were going through, you know, another separation. There was a lot of... um, family family issues going on at home and to add more stress on top of it I was working whilst I was studying as a hairstylist so it was just a lot of like late nights early mornings I'm stressed home is not really fun for me anymore school was becoming a bit of a drag um, and I started to really suffer when it came to my mental health so um, depression is something that I've kind of always Uh, battled Mm -hmm. with I'd say and I wouldn't have recognized it as depression I think until this particular moment and stage in my life but it was a very depressive time for me and I ended up kind of having a suicide attempt where I you know overdosed on paracetamol in February 2015. That entire period was so turbulent for Courtney. She was so stressed that her period didn't show up for six months after her suicide attempt. At first, she chalked it up to stress, which makes sense. Your periods can become irregular when you're under an immense amount of pressure. 
Um, and that was really, you can just imagine how stressful that was for me and for my, for my family. On top of that, I'm like wow. about to do my final exams and everything, all of my grades to get into university are riding on these final exams. Um, and I'm just in pieces, basically. I'm shattered. I'm like paranoid. I'm anxious. I'm sleeping three hours a day. I've got like insomnia. There's just everything. Yeah, it was a lot to deal with. But Courtney focused on getting better and getting into uni. Despite the hurdles, she got into the University of Cambridge to study human, social, and political science. Two months into uni, her parents still hadn't showed up. She talked to her parents about it, and everyone just kind of concluded that it was probably as a result of all the accumulated stress she had been experiencing. Then, one random morning, Courtney experienced something terrifying. I was at university one day, and I think it was maybe in October or November. I can't remember the specific month, but I had only been in university for about two months. And Mm -hmm. I woke up out of my bed at like five in the morning, which is very rare for me as a university student. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was just in a pool of blood. Like my, my bed was soaked with like dark red blood. And I got up because I was like in pain in my abdomen area um and stood from my bed and couldn't fully stand straight my back was in like so much pain that I was basically keeled over and as I started to take steps towards the bathroom I could just feel blood dripping down my leg like it was the heaviest blood flow I had ever had in my life that's crazy imagine waking up in a pool of blood and as you get up to figure out what's wrong you're continuously dripping blood I would pass out. I started crying because immediately I'm thinking, okay, I'm dying. I, as someone who was a virgin at the time, I thought I was maybe having a miscarriage. I don't know of what kind of immaculate <laughs> conception birth, but I was just like, what's going on with my, cause you know, with like TV and stuff, the only time you really see a woman like spotting or bleeding is if something like that is happening to her. Mm-hmm. She's having a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And so in my head, I was like, I actually don't know what else could be at the bottom of this so I got into my bath um to like wash myself off and I'm still kind of keeled over and Mm. I'm showering and I can just feel like something is not to be too graphic but something is exiting my body and I couldn't really put my finger on what it was and so I looked down and I heard this large thud I looked down and it was a massive blood clot and I was like I, wow. I've never, you, I ha, I've had the small blood clots that come with normal periods, you know, from the the uterus line in shedding, but I had never seen anything this big to the point where I was so taken aback. Okay, so not only was she bleeding like crazy, she was in a lot of pain that she could barely stand straight. And then this massive blood clot popped out of her body. As an 18-year-old at the time, I imagine she must have been confused and terrified. Let's take a quick break here. When we get back, we'll explore Courtney's many doctor's appointments after that incident. And of course, discovering that she has PCOS. Welcome back. So Courtney had that scary bleeding experience, right? She called up her mom crying. Her mom pretty much told her to get an emergency appointment with a general practitioner, the GP, basically a doctor. So I was able to go and see the GP that day. And 
I walked in and it was, the GP was like, okay, explain to me the symptoms. And bear in mind, like I'm bleeding a lot at this mm-hmm. point. Like the bleeding just didn't, it didn't really stop. Um, and I'm still quite shaken by it. So I'm trying to explain and she's like, okay, you seem like a bit frantic, like calm down. I'm like, I can't calm down. Like I, this has never what happened. Does she mean, calm so, down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, <laughs> she was quite an interest. She was quite an interested GP. I can't lie to you. Cause, and I think this was another thing cause it was the first time I had interacted with this GP as well because I had had the same um, general practitioner or family doctor since I was a child. Like since I was a baby, I've had the same GP. So this is the first time I'm speaking to anybody new about my health and about my story. And it was very much like, oh, you're very different to the one I have back home. It's possible that the GP really wanted to get Courtney to calm down and explain her symptoms. But when it comes to medical practitioners dealing with women, I have trust issues. She was just like, yeah, you know, calm down a bit. Just tell me about what's going on. She looked at my records and she was like, mm, you know what? You haven't had a period in a while. You've just come to uni. You're at a really stressful uni. And then something really traumatic happened to you in February. Um, I'm not really alarmed. I'm not really alarmed by this happening to you. I think you just need wow. painkillers. So she sent what? me to the, the pharmacy to go and get ibuprofen. And I took the ibuprofen. I didn't take the ibuprofen because I had had an overdose earlier in the year on paracetamol. I was very mindful that taking drugs would be something that could affect my liver. So I didn't want to take any medication, um, especially pain relief medication. So I was just going through the pain of it all. And to me, it was like, I'm not missing out on anything taking the medication because all it's going to do is numb me to my pain, but it's not going to solve the problem. So I'd rather just ride out the, the, period I guess or the bleeding um and I ended up bleeding for 10 days which was completely abnormal for me I'm very used to my flow being like four five days max and I'm done and I know exactly what's going to happen each day so to be bleeding heavily for 10 days soiling through clothes soiling through bed sheets um it was really stressful for 10 days that happened and then I didn't get my period for another four months so it was just kind of like, okay, I've had this really intense bleed in, but then I didn't bleed again. So another trip to the GP, went to the GP and this time it was somebody different. So it was one of those clinics that like rotates the doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this one was, this was a black woman. And so I told her my symptoms and she was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong here. Um, how is this making, and I remember she asked me, how is this making you feel mentally? And See, like, that's oh. a good doctor. Like someone actually <laughs> For asked real? me. I was so stressed by the first one. Like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, carry on. She was like, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. She was like, how is this making you feel mentally? I was just like, Thank you for asking because yeah. I don't know who to talk to about this. I It's not something you can bring up with like your academic tutors. And I have spoken mm-hmm. to my parents about it. But again, they're also like, well, if the GP didn't say anything, um, you know, and, and I think another thing that wasn't helping in people's um I guess, diagnosis or concern was because I was overweight, everyone was attributing mm-hmm. it to you just need to lose weight. And if oh my you God, lose weight, I because, hate when that because it had been, yeah, so it was just very much, you just need to lose weight and things will go back to normal. I'm like, I've been overweight my life. This has only just started happening to me unless I've hit this certain threshold, which maybe I had, you know, life was stressful at the time. But even at that stage, I was probably the slimmest that I'd ever been, even though I was still overweight. So 
I was just like, no, I'm not like buying into this whole you're overweight thing. But everyone was just saying, yeah. you know, lose weight and things will go back to normal. And I was like, okay, cool. And if it wasn't that, it was you just had a very traumatic year. Of course, your body's going to be doing something irregular. And I'm like, there's irregular, like being unable to sleep or losing a certain amount mm. of weight. And then there's bleeding for 10 days. Those are, those are two different kinds of irregularities. It's so shocking to me that no one said, okay, I don't know what's going on, but let's do a couple of tests to figure it out. Like exactly. that's the least they could have done. There's a lot of frustration in my voice there because I can totally relate to GPs trivializing Courtney's symptoms. It's called medical gaslighting or medical misogyny. It's a very real thing where healthcare professionals downplay or blow off the symptoms you know you're feeling. It happens to everyone, but African women experience medical gaslighting a lot more than any other race. In season one of the podcast, we discussed medical gaslighting. After this episode, if you already haven't, you should listen to it. It's called OMG. My doctor thinks I'm exaggerating. Okay, back to Courtney and this one GP who took a closer look at her symptoms. This doctor said, well, it's like, okay, these are irregularities that need to be tested. So she mm-hmm. booked me in to have a blood test, give a urine sample. Um, and I did both of those things. And it basically came back that I had, you know, a slight hormonal imbalance, um, but it mm-hmm. wasn't anything too notable. And they weren't, they were just like, okay, there's nothing really here to suggest that you have anything like, drastic going on with you but clearly Mm -hmm. there's something going on with you because you're having a period every four months and so I ended up getting booked in to have an ultrasound so that they could Mm -hmm. scan for cysts on my ovaries. It took a while to get the ultrasound. She couldn't find the right time to get an appointment for the scan because it kept clashing with her lectures. Also there were other um random reasons one time she went to the prescribed clinic they didn't have the ultrasound machine another time she had to re-register and start the process all over again at a clinic in london close to home i want to go back a bit to talk about because you said it took about a year to get like the full diagnosis right yeah um yeah which means that you had this whole year of one not knowing that not knowing what was wrong but knowing that there's something going on of like appointments and tests and all of that. And I think one thing people don't really talk about is how that entire process of trying to figure out what the hell is going on can be exhausting as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe not even mentally, maybe even just physically, right? So can you just talk to me about how how all of it, how you felt through all of it, that process of not knowing and going from one place to the other, that kind of thing? Yeah, I I mean, it was definitely like, anxiety inducing I think on top of Mm -hmm. having you know these periods every three four months where you're just I was literally crippled like I'd be up in bed crawled over my lower back would be in so much pain that I would struggle like I would have to sometimes crawl from my bed to the bathroom and it was just like wow And, and, and on top of it obviously I'm at university I'm living in my own dorm room um I don't really have people around me. I'm basically living alone. And mm-hmm. it was hard to to do that in such an isolated way. Um, and unfortunately, it felt like the periods were kind of timing themselves to begin right when I would start a new academic term. 
So every time I would start university, it's like I would have a couple of days where I'd gain some momentum and trying to get my work done and going to lectures and stuff like that. And then I'd, my period would start and it would completely throw off my schedule. I'd have to postpone a lot of my deadlines, have to like stop going to lectures completely. Um, and so I kind of started to gain this reputation of never being at lectures, rarely going to events. Oh, no. um, and that was also like making me upset it's like, no, I do want to have the full academic experience, but I'm kind of the woman with the issue at blood with blood of blood at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where to go and how to go there. Um, so that was making my whole academic experience quite difficult, um, as well as you know, balancing yeah. trying to study with now having you know different doctor's appointments or really, I think, even more than just having these different tests and people like, you know, blood tests and stuff and the stress of that. It was more so the anxiety and stress that came from not being able to get an appointment for so long. Yeah. So Courtney had to deal with weeks of trying to book appointments for the rest of her test and not getting through, as well as missing classes and experiencing painful periods. It was a lot. Eventually, after months of waiting, she got the ultrasound and they found cysts in her ovaries and she got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. When she met with the doctor who told her the result, she felt flustered as she sat listening to this GP explain what PCOS means and how it would impact her life. So many thoughts, questions and voices ran through Courtney's mind. Literally, as the GP is talking to me, Mm-hmm. I didn't hear a single thing basically they had said after you have PCOS because after they said that I was like because at this point I knew what PCOS was and I mm-hmm. studied into it I could think was I'm never going to have children like that's all that was going through my mind I'm never going to have children mm-hmm. and that to me was like a heartbreaking moment and I remember going home mm-hmm. telling my dad and my mom and just like sobbing in my dad's lap just like a little kid mm-hmm. just being like I'm never going to have kids I'm completely hot. And they're just like, you're being extremely dramatic. Like we understand that obviously this is painful and they were very sympathetic and they comforted me, but also they were like, can you get yourself together? Like you're going to have right. children. It's like, you just need to start thinking about, you know, what life is going to look like now that you're, you've got a diagnosis of this thing. Courtney freaked out there because PCOS doesn't have a cure. Its symptoms can be managed, but it's still very jarring to find out that you have a medical condition that will never go away. Also, she felt strongly about having kids. So finding out that PCOS also impacts fertility was scary to her. She also found out that she's insulin resistant as a result of her PCOS. I'll try my best to break it down. Stick with me here. So insulin is a hormone that the body makes. It helps to regulate your blood sugar levels. If you're insulin resistant, it means that your body isn't responding to insulin as it should. And if your body isn't properly responding, there's a possibility that sugar will accumulate in your blood. This is insulin resistance. And if it happens over time, it may lead to obesity or diabetes. Courtney has a history of diabetes in her family. So she was super scared to find out that she had insulin resistant PCOS. This realization meant that she had to make some changes to her diet and lifestyle. Kind of went down this road of, okay, I've got PCOS. And that week I sat with the diagnosis for a bit. And then I told um, my friends, we had like a friends gathering and I told them I had been diagnosed with this thing and they gave me such encouraging words. And coincidentally, the day after that 
gathering with them um, the morning after I had an appointment with my GP to really talk about plans moving Mm. forward. I'm so glad Courtney had this support system because going through a major life change like PCOS can be lonely and frustrating. I'm very blessed to have had like a great solid support system and friendship group um, whilst I was in high school and coming to this realization that I had had PCOS um, was something that they supported me greatly and so you know shortly Mm -hmm. after getting that diagnosis um, we all met up at one of my friend's houses to as we usually did just to catch up and laugh with each other probably watch a film and we were just talking life updates how we were all finding university now that we had come to the end of first year and I shared that you know I had been diagnosed with PCOS and most of us didn't really know what that was neither did I Mm. I was the one who had it um and so I was just talking about how stressful it had actually been and how yeah scared I I would actually say scared is the word how scared I was to figure out what the future would now look like even though none of her friends really understood the implications of PCOS they were very supportive they even followed her to her next doctor's appointment to show support but to also bombard the GP with a lot of questions that will help them understand PCOS one of those friends, Renee, was actually on the call as we recorded this episode. So I saw that to give a general idea of what the vibe was in their friendship group as they tried to figure out this PCOS thing. We had no idea what PCOS was. We had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we were still, you know, relatively young and our knowledge of, you know, women's reproductive health and um, the kind of things that were available to us was next to none beyond the kind of like, arbitrary rudimentary stuff that we had gone through in like PSHE Mm -hmm. lessons at school um so for us it was very kind of like uncharted waters but I think one thing that has always been a testament to both our friendship but also the friendship we have with the women in our lives is we're going to stick by you no matter what even if we don't know what's going on we're going to do our best to find out what's going on so we can support you so the next morning on the day of the appointment Renee Courtney and Rebecca their other friend got up super early to make it to her appointment for us, it was very much about just let's actually just go, learn as we as we can, learn as we go along, um, and then show up with our presence. And even in terms of us asking the questions, obviously this is something that is quite stressful for our friend and emotionally taxing. So for us, it was just very much around like how do we support effectively in a way, knowing what we know about our friend, we know her best, we know her um up until that point, how can we show up in a way to ensure that not only are we equipped, but also she's equipped to deal with this, um, with that support mm-hmm. system around around her? So that doctor's appointment went okay. They asked the GP what PCOS meant, how it will impact Courtney, and a ton of other questions. They also did a lot of research on their own to figure out how to support Courtney and to understand PCOS better. At the end of everything, it became clear that Courtney had to make some lifestyle changes to improve her symptoms and live fully. More on that after the break. Welcome back. So, Courtney just spent a lot of time accepting that she had PCOS and that irregular periods would be her new normal. There's not enough medical research out there surrounding what PCOS is and how it affects Mm -hmm. different women. So a lot of it was also me not knowing how my PCOS was actually affecting me. Um, Not just because I didn't get, have enough information about what PCOS actually was, but also 
it can manifest very differently in different women. You know, mm. you see different women who, you know, oftentimes get spotlighted in the media because they have a lot of facial hair, for example, but I didn't have any mm-hmm. of that. Um, or having acne, I didn't have that either. So it was kind of thinking, what is happening in my body and what are my symptoms? And a lot of the things which I considered normal and just a part of my life were actually as a result of my PCOS. Yeah, I get what Courtney is saying. Because there isn't enough information on PCOS and how it affects women out there. It was difficult for her to understand what symptoms were associated to her having the condition. And what symptoms were just random. For example, being overweight is often associated with PCOS. And Courtney says she's always been overweight. But we don't know if that's a result of her PCOS or if it's just her physique. It was hard to know what to associate with PCOS and what not to. A lot of time passed and Courtney just continued to live her life while dealing with the painful and irregular periods. She graduated from uni in 2018. In the same year, she started her own e-commerce company and became a YouTuber. That is immensely stressful as a 21-year-old person who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, And that was taking a toll on my body. So my periods were still inconsistent and still extremely painful. So I got to a point at about... 23 24 years old where I was kind of like Mm -hmm. I actually need to start taking this PCOS thing seriously if I ever want to have children because that was like my main thing fertility and really understanding my reproductive system and I started to do more research on like YouTube and follow the right accounts on Instagram of people who were talking about PCOS and everyone was basically saying the same thing which is you really need to manage your stress levels And so I looked at my lifestyle and I thought, this, these two aren't going to go hand in hand very well. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, my life is immensely stressful and I don't know how I'm going to manage my stress whilst also doing a high stress job and living a very high stress lifestyle. Healthcare professionals say that stress worsens the severity of PCOS. In some cases, stress can even be the trigger for it. So 24-year-old Courtney running and bootstrapping her own company alone without investors was under a lot of pressure. She was constantly on the move and barely getting any sleep. She also experienced frequent breakdowns where she would just be in a corner of her office crying her eyes out. She knew that for the sake of her health, she had to slow down. So yeah, upon reflection, it was like, okay, you need to do something drastic if you want to see a drastic change. And I decided to put my wellness first. And so I basically quit my job. I closed my company in November I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, that, that's, that's where we got to. But the thing, okay, for context, guys, I'm a very all or nothing person. Like I'm, I jump from one extreme to the next. <laughs> At that moment, I think what also didn't help was, well, I think what also made the decision easier, I'd say, was I was also falling out of love with the work that I was doing because Uh. it was just getting too much for me. My company was growing really quickly. The pandemic gave, you know, a huge boom to a lot of e-commerce sites and I was running an Mm -hmm. e-commerce company um, at the time. So our sales were we saw the most sales we've ever seen during the pandemic. And so that meant I was working a lot more in 2020 and 2021 than I had been any other year of my life um, or my life working. And 
I was starting to basically burn the candle at both ends, waking up, sometimes even, you know, spending 24, 36 hours working straight, just trying to keep up with all this. I'm managing a team of, yeah, I was managing a team of eight contractors um, and doing all the admin, being a part of the marketing, liaising with different freelancers. Um, it was It was too much. It was entirely too much. And I got to this point where I'm like, I actually don't think I am equipped enough as an entrepreneur to take this where it needs to go without basically killing myself. Like I'm going to overwork, mm. I'm going to burn out and it may be final, you know. I'm glad Courtney was brave enough to admit that she was overworking herself. And even though I was initially taken aback by her decision to quit, I totally get it. Your health should come first, always. She took a break after quitting in November 2021. She pretty much spent all of 2022 traveling to different countries with her savings and prioritizing her mental as well as physical health. So quitting my job meant that I could finally sleep, which for anyone out there listening, sleep is essential for stress uh, stress management. Um, It's when our body kind of regulates our hormones um it can purge us like it pur- it purges certain things and uh, it gives your time it gives your body time to rest and recover and because i wasn't sleeping enough my body wasn't resting it wasn't recovering it wasn't you know doing what it needed to do naturally right so as much as pcos and getting diagnosed can make it feel like your body is working against you your body is actually trying to work it's just kind of right. getting confused because of the imbalances and because of the the cysts and all these things which are present so you have to help it as much as possible not be confused or get as as less confused as possible sorry for my poor grammar but that's basically how I was thinking about it so you know I wasn't working and I was sleeping eight hours a day which is something now that I really prioritize and I think this is why I had to leave my job because I think toxic hustle culture um yeah and, and my relationship and my mindset surrounding work was really opposed to what my body needed in order to recover from my PCOS symptoms. Apart from sleeping well, Courtney made other lifestyle changes to help manage her PCOS. Remember she's insulin resistant? Yeah. She worked out a decent meal plan and makes sure she regulates her sugar intake when eating. She also works out often to stay fit and to lose weight. Remember Renee? We heard from her earlier, one of the two friends who followed her to see the GP when she first got her diagnosis. Well, Renee and Courtney are best friends and they live together in London. And Renee is a bit of a fitness addict, so she helps Courtney with workout routines. Like Renee is basically an athlete. So it was great <laughs> living with her, getting her to you know put together fitness programs for me and we really sat down and thought about how can I work out in a way which actually um, helps my PCOS as well and not see working out or losing weight as a form of punishment, but actually something I can do to nourish my body and care for my body, especially with this diagnosis. I think caring for myself and showing myself a deep love that was, you know, we're going to, we're going to nurse yourself and nurture yourself back to health in the most caring way and the most gentle way um and that's how I've been approaching things for the last 18 months I love it for Courtney yes PCOS has no cure and it often impacts the lives of the women who have it but Courtney has managed to manage her symptoms with lifestyle and diet changes 
after a year and a half, nearly two years now of focusing on my health and my well-being um, and really slowing down with work and reframing the way I saw work, my periods are consistent every they're back to how they were like the schedule is completely back to how they were when I was a kid um my skin is like in a really good place I am far happier my mental health is in a better place I'm very happy to hear that with these changes Courtney's symptoms are pretty much gone PCOS manifests differently in everyone so this might not be the case for others because there's still a lot that isn't known about the health condition. It's always best to consult with your doctor and do your own research to see what might work for you. Okay, back to Courtney. In terms of her career, well, she's a YouTuber. That's how Olivia, our associate producer, found her. She watched a video on her channel where she shared her PCOS journey and thought it'd be cool to have her on the podcast. She's also a... A consulting video strategist. So I consult for different organizations on how they Mm. can use their online content to make impact and build digital communities. There's more. Courtney is the co-founder of To My Sisters. It's this community that initially started out as a podcast for women, but has grown to become a digital space where women can access support from other women. With To My Sisters, there are conversations about pretty much anything that affects women. Sex, personal development, relationships, businesses, you name it. I'll let Renee, who's the co-founder of To My Sisters, explain better. We started with, you know, very little things. Um, Very much started in Courtney's bedroom in our bonnets with the mics attached to the window um, with nothing but a pipe dream. And then eventually standing, right, eventually standing literally on the dreams, the talents and the wisdom of not just obviously ourselves, but the women that also engage with us. TMS is, of course, me and Courtney, but TMS, to my sisters, is very much the sisters. It's the sisters Mm. that contribute to this community that make it so worthwhile for me. And being able to use it almost as an excuse to not just do some excellent things, but meet some Mm. amazing women and also be transformed um, by them has been a real privilege. So for me, it's actually just the honour and the privilege of being able to do that line of work through this line of work and of course doing it with people I actually love. In a way, so my sisters reminds me of I Like Girls. We started out as a podcast but now we've morphed into a publication as well as a community for African women to connect. I'm a huge fan of what Courtney and Renee are doing and I'm really happy that Courtney has found a way to channel her wellness and health into her career true to my sisters. I thought about how to end this episode for the longest time Because PCOS is not that straightforward to talk about. There's so many other angles to explore. And Courtney has an interesting story that could be explored further. (laughs) But this episode has to end. And Courtney gave me something to end with. She talks about the importance of being curious about your body and engaging a lot with medical professionals. Doing this as women might help us understand health conditions like PCOS better. But there Mm. is life on the other side of the diagnosis and I encourage you to um, get plugged into communities and have honest conversations with medical professionals and demand the help which you need to be able to help you grapple with what it is you are now learning about your body Um, but your body is not working against you it is something which you now have to kind of relearn and move with but um, it can be a very rewarding um process that's full of a lot of care and love and so yeah I, I really do wish you all of the best and you will 
be able to get through it. That's very well said. If you're experiencing any PCOS symptom, don't be afraid to reach out to a medical professional or someone you trust to discuss what you're feeling. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Like Girls. I Like Girls is produced by 27 Productions. If you'd like to get in touch with us, visit ilikegirls.co. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at I Like Girls Gang. Please rate and review I Like Girls on whatever streaming platform you listen to podcasts on. Rating us helps other people to discover the podcast just like you. This episode is produced by me, Aisha Salahuddin, and written by Olivia Obuago. Audio engineering is by Daniel Atkins, and our theme music is by Bangs with a double G. The rest of the music you heard throughout this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>